in the list of the heroes of faith in the book of Hebrews, towards the end of the essay about Samson and other people, and Daniel is not mentioned, it says, by faith, they shut the mouth of the lions. Heroes of faith, by faith, they shut the mouth of the lions. Lions are in reality. Lions are everywhere. Lions that devour us, sometimes roar at us to, to frighten us. They are in your office. They are in your family. They are everywhere. But now the question is, like I hope you have read the book, the chapter 6 of the book of Daniel, which I have notified through WhatsApp. The question is, how to get out of the dime's den without being harmed? Before I go into it, let me give you a brief um, summary of the story in case you haven't had a chance to read it. If you didn't have a chance to read it, if you haven't read it, though it was given to you at least two days back, you need to be on your knees and ask God for, for, uh, ask God for forgiveness. The story is set in the days of Emperor Darius. We don't know much about him from history. It seems that he is a transitionary figure between the great empire of Babylon and King Cyrus who founded the Persian Empire. Daniel, we know, the, if you had been in the church last week, you know the, the continuation of the story. <coughs> Daniel was elevated to the highest position that a bureaucrat can hold in the media Persian Empire or the empire that Darius established. There were 120 governors. And remember, part of North India was also part of this empire of Persia. Okay, we have Aramaic inscriptions in the part of North India. It was part of that empire, great empire. And then he was elevated, he was one of the 120 governors who ruled over the whole of the, the media Persian Empire. This great nation of India is actually controlled by 5,000 All India bureaucrats or officers belonging to the All India Service, ICS, IPS, IFS, IAS and all sorts of ranks. But media Persia and about them there is the cabinet secretaries and all that. So Daniel was the, had, had the highest position and among them there was three others out of the twenty and the king wanted to elevate him further, the top person. So that means he will be the second in the whole empire which extended all known world including our own country, North India, northern part of India. Now, because of some rivalry, he, the people, the, his colleagues, his subordinates, we can say now, plotted against him. And the king was forced to punish him by throwing him in, dumping him in the lion's den. But the story goes on to say that 
Daniel comes out of it unharmed. The hungry lions, they were really hungry. But when Daniel came out the morning unharmed, the king threw the families, children, the wives and everybody of Daniel's friends or the colleagues, subordinates and the lions simply devoured them, broke their pieces. But the same lions the previous night didn't harm Daniel. That's a story. Then at the end, the, the king sings a song of praise to the God of Daniel. Here you have three difficult situations, adverse situations rolled into three. First of all, he talks about how toxic a workplace can become. He becomes the object of envy and rivalry and that similar situation we may be able to identify with. If there is a workplace, if there is an office, even if it is a Christian institution, these things are guaranteed. There will be rivalry, there will be rat race for positions, there will be envy. It's guaranteed. That's my experience of work. And there will be attempts to trap those who are righteous before God. To trap them and destroy them. I have heard so many stories of people. Very able, capable people. One of my friends, brother-in-law, threw himself before the railway, the railway track, a running train, a few years ago because he was the toppest in his office and he had a foreign assignment and his friends who could not reach that high in the career ladder, they plotted against him, made his life so miserable, he had no option except killing himself. A young man those days, he ran, he, he jumped in front of a running train somewhere in Pune tracks and he killed himself because his life was become so miserable. Then he was in such a place, a place, a workplace which is so toxic. Now you can't live in that. And the second situation is a situation where they criminalize what is right where they criminalize the right or when they call the right wrong. A situation where they call the evil good or sorry, good evil. When in a situation where they call the right bad, we may find ourselves in such similar situations. You do what is right but they bring a law, that is what happened in Daniel's case. Daniel was a man of God, but they made a law that his fear of God, his piety, his spirituality is criminalized. What you do right will be called wrong. In my own career, I came to a point where when I failed 16 students or something like that out of a class of 40 
because they failed even after giving 24 marks of moder what is that called that moder moderation they still fail students who who don't study don't well do well in the exam fail isn't it that, that is what the normal thing is but when you fail those who are not eligible to be passed you become a criminal that happens so you have to live in a life situation sometimes where the righteousness is, is criminalized they call righteousness a crime they call fear of god a sin that was what daniel had to go through daniel was a man of god he prayed three times daily opening his windows the door the, the open windows the, the windows that are open towards jerusalem but they brought a law that praying that prayer life life of prayer is a crime you may go through similar situations the third situation is when you reach the limits of human help people are there to help you colleagues are there to help you bosses are there to help you friends are there to help you but you come to a point where all the human help is not either available or they are not willing to help you or they have reached the limits of their help now chapter 6 so let me read i, I just left uh, something okay i'll come back to it and uh, 614 chapter 6 verse 14 Now the king was a good king when the king when he heard these words was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him king Darius emperor Darius tried all that he can to rescue him but king could not There are times when we appeal and appeal and appeal to the right, the best senses of our bosses, and they may help us, they may try to help us, and finally they will come to a point where they will throw their hands up. I have uh, some sad memories of this. A colleague of mine and his family went for picnic, and they were. having a picnic near in a forest near a river and the son and the father and elder family went to the water and had a great time but suddenly something happened the son the eldest son was washed away was drowning so the father reached out his hand and the son held his hand and the father was trying to pull him out standing on a rock in the river but the father could not the current was so strong the son the father finally the son the grip of the son he he could not hold it any more and the son was washed away downstream <coughs> because he died when his father's grip the father could not any more hold him and they found his half eaten body eaten by fish 
three days later downstream by some fishermen and they identified the body by identifying the sneakers he was wearing. And my brother, my friend, colleague lived with that guilt for so long and he died an untimely death out of his grief. There are limits brothers and sisters where human health reaches its limit. The king tried. This is a different type of king. This is not the king that you met in Daniel 5. This is not the king you met in Daniel 4. This is not the king you met in Daniel 3 or in Daniel 2 or 1. This king is out and out to help righteous Daniel. But we come to a realization as Samish says, there are three verses I would like to just read. Oh, grandest verse 60, chapter 60 or Psalm 60, verse 11. Oh, grandest help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. Another Psalmist says the same truth in Psalm 108, verse 12. Oh, grandest help against the foe. For vain is the salvation of man. Another psalmist says the same thing in Psalm 146, verses 3 to 4. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Don't ever put your trust in God, in man, in a human being. If you think your security comes from because your boss is on your side, if you think that your security comes from because majority of the staff is on your side, remember there's a limit to what the humans can offer. I'm preaching from my own experience that I had gone through a few years ago. I have reached, I have found people will abhor you because they are so scared. They love you deep inside but they can't even express that care and love because that is human nature. So when we are in such situations Daniel was already in the lion's den before he reached the bottom of the lion's den. The adversities, the enmity, the, the envy and all these, the limits of the, 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 the helpless king and a, a legal system where what you do right, when the right you do right is called wrong, when the judiciary is against you, when the office is against you, when the rulers are against you, everything works out against you and finally you find yourself in the real lion's den. How to shut the mouth of the lions? As the writer of Hebrew says, by faith they shut the mouth of the lions. Number three things I would like to point out. One, integrity. Integrity. The first thing. What does integrity mean? Integrity simply means a steady or faithful attachment to something. 
it is the one word for it will be adherence adherence a steady or faithful attachment to a principle to a faith to a stance and hold on to it it is not stubbornness let me tell you that stubbornness is not willing to change but a stubborn person may not be right but a person of integrity stands and sticks to hold on to what is right at any cost that is what integrity is it is steadfastness it is a consistent faith an unwavering faith the best illustration i could think of is job in the book of job chapter 1 job had calamities after calamities after calamities as the waves of the sea ocean lashing on the beach waves after waves came and finally his sons and daughters died and then finally his body was inflicted and he was in terrible situation you had to leave his house and he has to sit at the ash heap outside the city gates that means trash where the trash is burnt but job still kept on and the bible the author of the book of job says in all this he did not sin or charge god with wrong he still kept his faith he knew god is faithful with all the calamities that happened and then in chapter 2 his wife advised him he said curse god and die i can't see your suffering the way you suffer having lost everything now sitting in the ash heap scratching all over your body your worms are eating your flesh i can't see the suffering anymore and she no wife will say that but she said this is the only option for him best option is curse god see how to die simply curse god then you will die curse god and die right job said shall we not receive from god the bad and the good we received good but shall we not also accept bad and the writer of the book of job concludes but he said <coughs> chapter 2 verse 10 job 2:10 but he said to her you speak as one of the foolish women would speak shall we receive good from god and shall we not receive evil and then the conclusion is in all this job did not sin with his lips that's what we call integrity a faith which is consistent in good times and in bad times a faith that is consistent steady in sunshine and also the whatever the opposite is so what was daniel's quality integrity integrity before man and god chapter 6 verse 21 and 22 then daniel said to the king o king live forever my god send his angel after he was rescued pulled out of the lands then unharmed he presents he presented before the king 
and he testifies before the king these words O king live forever my god send his ancient and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because i was found blameless before him my god and also before you o king i have done no harm why did he why was he saved why did the angel shut the mouth of the lions and open it again the following day when a big crowd of people were thrown into it because before god and before men i was found blameless that's what integrity is integrity is what delivers us now many times we think that we believe in that old axiom that be roman when you are in rome behave like a roman when you are in rome now i have seen this as a as a as a what you can say as an administrator and as a leader i have found that people come and they praise you and you believe them and they go out and say the opposite about you to others they are there's a word for it i can't recall it now they are able to uh, they are masters of metaphor morphosis masters of metamorphosis that is they can change the shape and the size and the attitude and their beliefs as according to like the chameleon but that integrity is not that integrity is a consistent faith when job received bad from god evil from god job said yes i have received good from god i have received bad also from god but god is the same god the same god who gave me good things he is sending me the bad things too and i will stand firm in my faith my faith will not be what happens i'm just applying this to a um work situation most of us go through so when you are have this great quality of integrity unwavering adherence to what you believe it changes the rules it changes the people who are in charge of us the sheer fact of integrity now look at this case the ruler or the king darius in 614 makes an effort i already read that passage he knew that he is trapped by his own or decree but he is still making an effort until the sun went down the king made an effort to rescue daniel he was pleading with he was arguing with with the 120 satraps or governors of the kingdom the rulers the prime minister the, the chief ministers he was he was pleading he was arguing he was debating he was trying to convince them why did that change why did the why did darius behave in a strange way here rather unbecoming of a ruler because the integrity softens the attitudes of the rulers a man's integrity a christian's integrity at workplace has the power to soften the hardest metal that many people are made of 
the hardest person, the hardest heart, the most cruel person, the most wicked attitude can change because of your and my integrity. And look at also this passage, chapter 6, verse 19, 6, 19 to 11. The eagerness of this king. You have to read this passage in the light of the previous five chapters, where each king is presented as wicked, cruel, uncaring, unscrupulous kings. But here the king, at the break of the day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of the lions. As he came near the den of the lions where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? That means that the king did not sleep that night. He waited till morning because there was no electric lights those days. There was only natural lights. So he had to wait till the morning at the dawn to find out. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. See, the, you see here a king who is softened, mellowed. Third thing, the king, because of his constant interaction with Daniel, having come to know Daniel's piety and his faithfulness and his faith in God, the king has already come to believe that though this man is thrown into the den, God will save him. See, changing the rulers, this faith can change the mind of the ruler. In chapter 6, verse 16, And then the kingdom commanded, and Daniel brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. The king has come to that faith. That faith in Daniel's God. He has come to see the end of the limit of his, the limits, he has come to the limits of his power. He pleaded, he might have gone to the the courtroom and he tried to convince the, 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 all his enemies, let us not, let us make an exception to the to the, this thing. Let's, at least in this case, this is his first uh, mistake. Let's wait for a second or third. Let him give another chance. The king labored the whole day till sun went down. Sunset the whole day. But he could not. But finally, he sends him to the gallows with a blessing that the God you serve will deliver you. I can't deliver you. My judicial system cannot deliver you. But I am sure that God will deliver you. Who is saying that? The emperor of the great media Persian Empire. But Daniel's integrity has changed again. Please remember my brothers and sisters. All the adversity that we go through is painful. 
It's, you can't stand it. You come to that point. But coming out of it or going through it can change people who are in charge of your life. But only thing is that the integrity, Christian integrity has the power to change the mind of people. My father served the state police in Kerala for 35 years, I think. At least 33 years. He became a Christian. Now, he was a Christian when he joined the forces. But you know, police, the police that use Indian police in any state is not the same police that was some 25 years ago. They were they were known for physical torture, you know, what they can do with the people they arrested, God only knows. But my father took a position when he joined his, his particular service. He had a change. He said, made a declaration, I will never hurt anyone. During his free time, he used to read the Bible. His free time. He used to read his Bible. Bible after he, That's the only book he read. And when he retired, or before he retired, there was a... He was, how to say, there is a testimony about him. Here is, he used to say, he is a very, very unique police officer. He never laid his hands on any criminal. Anyone who is arrested, he never laid his hands. So every supervising officer who changed, he had to serve many people, many, many super, uh, higher officers. They, when they go, they will tell, this guy never assign him any interrogation because he is not going to touch his teaching. So my father built a reputation that here is an officer who will never lay his hand on a person, a criminal, somebody who is in custody. That changes other people. Your behavior, your integrity, your faithfulness, your adherence to the laws of God and your faith in God can change the whole emperor, the whole empire. Shutting the mouth of lions first is by proven integrity in your workplace. Second is prayer. Prayer. Two types of prayers I would like to say. One is prayer of devotion and second is prayer of mercy. Prayer for mercy. A prayer of devotion is when you tell God just like we sang a few minutes back I love you Lord. Say that again and again and again and again. God would like to hear that. I love you Lord. I love you, Lord. And you have that ardent devotion. Even when you are going down the lines then. That's how we sedate the lines. We read in chapter 6 verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document has been signed, 
that everyone should play, pray only to king, not to any other gods. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he had done previously. And he gave thanks to God and he prayed and gave thanks to God as he had done previously. Three times a day to say, Oh God, I love you. I love you, I love you and I love you. Now here, why this is a strange practice, isn't it? It's a strange practice. The strange practice of looking towards Jerusalem from a far away country. And that is how Jews in Dan Jews, or people of God in Daniel's time, express their devotion, which we find in Psalm 137, 5 to 6. Let my tongue, oh, sorry. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Longing for the presence of God, that is what this act, symbolic act of looking towards Jerusalem from a faraway Persian capital of the Persian Empire and praying means. Look towards that because Jerusalem, the presence of God, the where the house of God was, can never be forgotten. It's the greatest act of devotion. Secondly, pray for mercy. Daniel prayed for mercy, praying towards Jerusalem. Psalm 28 2. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. When I cry to you for help, when I lift my hands toward your most holy sanctuary, let me add, in Jerusalem. Praying for mercy. Standing on the promise to King Solomon in 1 Kings 4, 848-51. When the great King Solomon built the temple of the Lord and when he dedicated it, he made a prayer. And one aspect or one point in that prayer is what we are going to read now, 1 Kings 8.48-51. If they repent with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who carried them captive and pray to you toward their land which gave to your fathers the city that you have chosen, that is Jerusalem, and the house that I have built for your name, that is this temple, then here in heaven you are turning place their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. It goes on <coughs> further. So Solomon asked God one thing. If ever my people pray towards Jerusalem from wherever they are, Lord, forgive them. Give their plea for mercy. That is what he was doing. That is, he had that ardent devotion to the presence of God. That is from where mercy comes. But when we come to the New Testament, the whole temple in Jerusalem is replaced by Jesus. John's Gospel chapter 2 verse 21 says, When Jesus said, Destroy this temple, 
John says he was talking, speaking about the temple of his body. Jesus has replaced the temple. We no more look towards Jerusalem and pray towards the temple in Jerusalem. There is no temple in Jerusalem right now. But the whole prayer in situations where you are in the lion's den is directed towards Jesus Christ who rose from the dead and pray for mercy with ardent devotion. Sometimes crisis happens. Crisis, crisis have happened in my life. And when I was in crisis many times, let me admit this weakness in my life, that I was not able to see much of God. But coming out of this, I learned one thing. When we go through crisis, the prayers of devotion, the prayer for mercy that we pray changes not us first, not the circumstances. We come to know how great a God is. We grow in our devotion to the Lord. I am not the same person I was before I had a crisis in my life. I have changed. Because my crisis, God had led me to look to Him, to love Him more in my dark days than in my brighter days. I can testify to that. That closest brings you closer. And in that process, God shut the mouth of all your adversaries and your enemies. And finally, have a daring faith. A fearless faith. A courage to do what is right before God. Even, it is, even when it is wrong before men. The courage to do what is right before God. Even when it is considered wrong by the people around him. That faith is called a daring faith. A fearless faith. Saint Paul wrote to the, the people in Rome, the believers in Rome. Romans chapter 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? When God is on our side, who can be against us? I want all of you to memorize that verse. If God is for me, who can be against me? None. That is the implied answer. And that's a reflection of the faith of the psalmist in Psalm 118, verses 6 to 7. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The answer is nothing. The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Amen. That's the faith. That faith is called the daring faith. A faith that is willing to risk your own life, the prospects of your life, because you know that your destiny is not in the hands of the rulers, the bosses. Your destiny is in the hands of God. That is the faith that we need to have. 
Let me conclude with an illustration from St. Paul's life. St. Paul is the one who wrote this passage in Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? The same Paul applied that in his life. You know the story? Let me, let me tell you the story. The story is found in Acts, book of Acts, towards the end of the book of Acts. Paul was arrested in Jerusalem for a thing that for no wrong. He was imprisoned for three years in Caesarea Philippi and further as well, we don't know how many years more. He had a series of trials. He was brought before Festus. He was later brought before Herod Agrippa. As a, he was tried before them in Jerusalem also. And that is two, three trials later. And then finally, he was cleared. He was exonerated by Felix the governor and Agrippa the king. They said, we don't find anything wrong in him. But Paul said, no, I'll appeal to Caesar. Have you ever heard somebody who is acquitted, cleared by the lower court, appealing to a higher court? Have you ever heard of it? Acquitted. Found not guilty. That's the word. If the lower court cleared you, you go home. In party. But when the lower court cleared him, Saint Paul says, I will appeal to the Caesar. I will open the case again. Why? Why are you doing that? Have you ever calculated the risk involved in it? The risk. The risk is you go to Rome, the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court may open the files again, and you stand the risk of being found guilty. Why you want to take a risk? Why you want to take a risk? Because his faith was a daring faith. He knew God's plan is for him to stand before the Caesar, the emperor of the great Roman Empire, which preceded the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks. The fourth empire, great empire, in Daniel's dream. And he wanted to stand before him, whether he will be acquitted, whether he will be found guilty. He is willing to take that stand, take that risk for the sheer benefit of standing, testifying, telling his testimony again. What a cruel psychopath, fundamental terrorist he was in Judaism, how Jesus, the risen Jesus met him on Damascus road and mellowed him and made him somebody to preach the gospel all over the world and about his faith in hope, faith and hope in Jesus Christ in eternity. He won the emperor to hear. Just for that he took a risk. And a perilous journey across Adriatic Sea, sea and the Mediterranean. A perilous journey. A shipwreck. Snake bite. You read the rest of the uh, book of... And he took that risk 
simply he had an unwavering faith if god is for us who is against us i will look at my enemies with triumph that daring faith is what helps us daniel did that in daniel 6:10 he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his god as he had done previously a daring faith unwavering faith integrity and prayer seeking devotion mercy devotion that changes the whole scenario the book the chapter ends with this great verses of the king the king not only believes the king not only applauds daniel but he turns to god now the whole situation changes the whole toxic workplace becomes a tonic workplace i define a toxic workplace as a place where life is taken out of people you know they don't want to go back to that place again because there is so much of animosity there is so much of rivalry there is so much of uh, uh, opposition discouragement frustration that is what a tonic workplace is toxic workplaces but a tonic workplace is a place where there is life there is acknowledging each other supporting each other there is friendliness there is growth there is development there is life in short now the story ends with the story begins with a toxic workplace but the story ends daniel chapter 6 ends with the whole workplace being purged of all that sap's life and the king himself turns to god chapter 6 verses 26 to 27 let me read the whole thing i make a decree darius says that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear god before the god of daniel for he is a living god the praise goes to god not to daniel enduring forever forever his kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end faith in god changes just i have been thought about this illustration before but it just came to my mind probably i should share it the great roman empire when they built they built also arenas gymnasiums where there was the where gladiators fought a cruel game was fought for they enjoyed that cruelty cruelty is they had crocodiles they had tigers and they have lions and gladiators were thrown prisoners were thrown to them they had to fight this and the cruelty of that game bloodshed and they cheered they clapped their hands they danced like watching a cricket game when poor people were torn apart by these animals or two people were fight or to fight a cruel game you know how that cruel game came to an end when they stopped it 
a man who is a disciple of Jesus Christ. I forgot the dates and I forgot the names of the person. But I will look up later if you are interested in the details. One day when a game was going on in Rome, he came and the people of the game was great. That's some animal or two people are fighting and there's bloodshed. And he entered the arena saying this is cruel, stop it. Because he knew his Christian faith, his faith in Jesus Christ told him this is wrong, it should be stopped. The emperor that time was watching with his whole household and his ministers watching the same game. As this man, this Christian believer was entered this game and the gladiators were so angry, the crowd was very much angry. He was trying to put these people, uh, separate these people, were trying to kill each other with the sword. And the gladiators thought they are, they are spoiling the game. So they killed him on the spot. Oh, he died, he died on the spot. But that made the king think. That made the king rethink. And that was the last game ever played in Rome. Ever played. The end of this cruel, bloodthirsty game in Roman Empire was never played again in any cities in the entire Roman Empire. Because one man paid, stood for truth. He, he stopped it by his life. His life came to an end that day. The life of many people was saved. Because Rome never played gladiator games after that day. There's a Rome, there's an official decree, there's an official decree that such a cruel game should never be played anywhere in Rome. Because one man's integrity, one man's trust in God, one man's faithfulness in that small space in the arena had impact on the whole Roman Empire where the sun never set. That's the impact you can make. That's the impact I can make. By my faith in God. Living God. A God who is above all circumstances. Now let me repeat that verse from chapter 11 of Hebrews. By faith they shut the mouth of the lions. God bless you all. Amen.